Hey everyone, my name is Marilyn Zakauer. I'm the CEO of Cosmic Centaurs, and this is the Center Stage Podcast. A show where I invite incredible guests to come explore bold ideas about the future of work and learning with me. This week, I'm joined by my good friend Ziad Rahal, who's currently the head for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions in MENA. Before his time at LinkedIn, Ziad spent 16 years working in media and advertising in the Middle East, working in places like Mektoub, Yahoo, and even starting his own ventures. Ziad has had experience leading teams across functions and from all around the world. And I wanted to talk to him about how he leads, but also how he transformed the way that he deals with customers, partners, and team members as everything was turned on its head by the pandemic. I really believe that there's an opportunity in every crisis. At the beginning of the pandemic, I lost my job. The world was shutting down around me and a lot of people were panicking. In that chaos, I saw there was an opportunity. I figured the workplace was going to change irreversibly and perhaps I could contribute to that conversation. And so I started Cosmic Centaurs. I took this question to Ziad. I wanted to know, did he see opportunity in crisis? How had the world changed, not for the worst, but for the better, as LinkedIn transitioned to working fully remote? And one of the things that really struck me in my conversation with Ziad is how the pandemic had actually pushed him and the people he works with to become more authentic and more vulnerable in the way that they work. Pushed them to think about what their customer was feeling and needing first, as opposed to just trying to sell them a product. Something that Ziad said that I found really inspirational and have since repeated to many people in many conversations is that he told me how important it was for everybody to understand the purpose of why they were waking up every day. He told me how LinkedIn isn't a company for just people to come on board and share content and buy ads and try to recruit people for jobs. In fact, the way that LinkedIn sees itself is that it's trying to map the world's economy by understanding all of its jobs, all of the roles in them, all of the companies, and trying to figure out how they could draw a knowledge graph of the world's economy. And they would use that knowledge graph to improve the economic conditions of the planet. And I thought, that's something I would wake up for. It was so refreshing to talk to Ziad. Someone who chooses to lead from a place of vulnerability, curiosity, authenticity, and compassion. Here's our conversation. Hi, Ziad. Hi, hi. Hello, Marilyn. You and I are going to be discussing three topics today. We're going to talk about sales, we're going to talk about marketing, and we're going to talk about something that you and I feel very strongly about, which is leadership. Now, let me start you off on sales. Do you still meet any of your clients face-to-face? -face? The first time I met you, you were coming to the offices of EMAR if I remember correctly. Do you still do that? I remember our first meeting, by the way, uh, very clearly. <laughs> I'm currently not meeting customers face-to-face. -face. I think we can, if there is something that cannot be achieved through uh, teams, for example, uh, we can. But I, I haven't been in a situation yet where there isn't anything that we cannot do uh, over VC. Right. So as we were preparing for this, you and I discussed the fact that a lot of the limiting beliefs about what you can or can't do when you're in sales or business development in person versus online have been kind of thrown out the window. And I wanted to like pose a mental challenge for you, which is we all look at the pandemic and think of it as a great crisis, but I want us to take a moment, maybe think about it as a great opportunity. What are the things that you would disrupt or maybe you've already changed in the way you build relationships with clients or the way your team does that, that you feel would be a leap forward with regards to how we do business development? 
That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, authenticity, especially at the onset of the pandemic. There was a lot of collective fear. And uh, I found there's a beautiful sense of community that I find all around me, from customers, from friends, from neighbors. And so I remember very clearly the first day we were working from home. It was March. And I remember opening up my laptop. Okay, we're going to work from the garden. The weather was still good. Good. That's that's not so bad. I'm going to work from the garden for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I remember that morning early on, my phone rings and it's with one of my customers. And he's just checking up on me. I've known this customer for a couple of years, but it was the first time we were talking about family. And I realized that he has an 18-year-old daughter. She was in Canada. She, they were away. He was worried about how to bring the family together. So that was a sense of really getting to know people and customers on a much more authentic level, deeper level. That part was definitely one of the positive things that came out of COVID. Yeah, I definitely think we used to think of work and going to the office as a way of compartmentalizing between our personal and professional lives. And uh, that sort of wall has physically disappeared at the moment. And we can be a yeah. lot more our full selves than we, we ever were before. One more thing that also is coming up really strongly, and it was a major shift in the way we do business, was in the past, and it has started around a couple of years ago, really we got it nailed during the pandemic is this whole idea about whether we lead with our own products or whether we lead based on the customer's objectives at the beginning and i remember like a couple of years ago even more we used to have uh, specific objectives from a product adoption perspective and when you have these objectives you go into a meeting and you're thinking okay so i need to sell this product right regardless of where the customer stands but as the pandemic started, we went in, we, we want to bring our data, we want to bring our insights, we want to understand what are your challenges, what is going on in your business for us to understand how we can better support you. And so now we have a whole framework called the value engagement framework that we follow. It's really about understanding in depth what is happening in a customer's industry, the customer challenges, their objectives, and only then coming up with solutions that are going to help them achieve that. You know why I love this and why I'm smiling this much? Just before our live, I was teaching uh, BBAs in Lebanon online. One of the chapters that we looked at together was customer goals. And I was like, listen, punks, 70% of organizations focus on their products, not their customers. And we had this whole session around customer goals. And they were saying, but isn't focusing on product the same thing? And I'm like, no, it's not. And I was giving them examples. And I do hope that some of them are watching us now because I did encourage them to join the live. And thank you for making my point for me, which is that in the end, the reason why people buy products or services is they are solving a problem. And if you don't understand what that problem is, then it doesn't matter what your product is like. It's just not going to stick. And that actually brings us into our topic around your product, which I wanted to know, how did the LinkedIn platform evolve through the pandemic and how it's evolved to the current goals of your users? I think the most notable product launch that we've had during this year has been events. And actually, it, it was one of the products that were fast-tracked in order to be able to help and assist. There's a big part of a lot of industries heavily rely on face-to-face -face events. And overnight, mm -hmm. these industries have been unable anymore to execute some of these events. And so we fast-tracked uh, and launched event and we've had, it, it performed amazingly well. We've had, I think, around 7 million event registrations to date. Wow. Uh, we, we host around uh, 
1,000 events per week. So that is something that we are truly very excited about. And you know, the good thing is that hearing feedback from customers, they are seeing that digital events are performing really well for them. Uh, I was in a conversation with the previous uh, CMO of IBM, and she was telling me they have Think event, Think with IBM, a huge flagship event, uh, global. They have to pivot it from offline, physical, to digital in a matter of weeks. And that performed really well for them across all metrics. So events is something that we have already launched and we are very excited about. In terms of the future, there are a lot of products that we are always planning. But I think the most exciting one for me is uh, launching products. As you know, there's around 55 million companies with LinkedIn mm -hmm. pages. And very soon, they will be able to uh, have product pages under their company page, uh, including reviews. That's really something that's exciting. We actually launched it with around 5,000 companies so far uh, globally. Uh, you can check out Slack, for example, or Snowflake for to see examples of how it works. And we're going to be rolling out more and more soon, so stay tuned. We have a question from Aymad. Uh, he's saying, did the pandemic change your approach to customer centricity? I think that's a lot in line with, with what we discussed earlier, right? It's at the pandemic, ourselves and also a lot of other companies that we know in the market, really been amazing in that sense of solidarity, compassion that we have mm -hmm. seen from a lot of brands. And LinkedIn was no different. We offered a lot of LinkedIn learning courses for free uh, and so on. And so, yes, as we led with how can I be of assistance? How can I help, right? Not with a solution, not, nothing related to sales. It's just, you've been a customer of mine for years and years. Now is a time where, you know, I think you need me. So let me know how I can help. And that was uh, something that has been truly appreciated by our customers. And it, you know what? It made us feel good as well as a sales organization because we were able to be there for our customers, which is really nice, very rewarding. Yeah, I love that, integrating generosity and solidarity into, into how we approach people. On the topic of, you know, events being really successful and in the last quarter, record level of engagement on, on LinkedIn, up 31%. Of course, everybody is also looking for a job. So LinkedIn is the platform of the day from that point of view. But I was wondering if there has been any adverse kind of effect on the marketing side with so many people being focused on job hunting what has happened to LinkedIn as a platform to reach potential targets? So I think to answer that uh, in the most efficient way, I need to take a step back and just talk a little bit about what LinkedIn is all about. Our mission is to create economic opportunity for every member of the workforce. In itself, this mission is very altruistic. It's a beautiful mission. Every time you talk to somebody at LinkedIn, they are so passionate about the company because we feel we're adding value to other people's lives, to their families, to their communities, and so on. How that mission manifests is through building the world's first economic graph. Meaning, we want to create a digital representation of every member of the workforce, a digital mm -hmm. representation of every company there is, a digital representation of every job that is available at those companies, every skill required to obtain those jobs, and every educational establishment where you can learn those skills in order to obtain those jobs. Then we want to take a step back and allow a flow of information, uh, all sorts of capital to flow to where they could be leveraged. It could be investment capital, human capital, and so on. And by doing that, uplifting the global economy. Can I apply for a job? 
Yes, yes, I'm taking application. I'm standing so, behind that purpose, I'm in. <laughs> with that context in mind, LinkedIn is a lot more than a job searching or a job listing platform. Actually, as a matter of fact, in UAE, our data shows that almost 81% of members come on LinkedIn to consume content. 19% come to look to actively look for a job. That's all about what is happening in the whole ecosystem. I have some data to share on this. So take learning, for example. We have the number of learning courses consumed mm -hmm. in August of 2020 is three times that of August the previous year. In terms of sales navigator usage, which is a, just a different version of LinkedIn, but for sales professionals, 2.5x growth on number of connection made. You have these sales professionals, you have the professionals in general coming in, they're learning, consuming le learning courses, and then they're connecting a lot more. Because we were in a situation where, you know, what I used to do before is simply no longer possible. Mm -hmm. And for me to get results, I need to do things in a different way. And so we saw the engagement overall on LinkedIn or on LinkedIn grow in almost every aspect. And as you know, back to your question about how that impacted marketing and whether there was marketing fatigue, we all know that an engaged audience is an audience that is receptive to ads. And so I've seen some of the best results of my career. I've seen CTRs for the first time in my life. I've seen CTRs of 7.5% on a single image ad. That, of course, has a lot of other elements, but that shows Very you good. that the 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 audiences engage. I've seen I've seen some customers who have, you know, spent campaigns of worth twenty thousand dollars and generated a couple of leads from two leads in this case in specific two million dirhams in sales. We're seeing really good results. Incredible. You were talking a little bit earlier about this upskilling and kind of relearning how to do your jobs. And Aymad wrote a question which I actually also have in my list to ask you, which is how does the pandemic change what you look for in the people that you're hiring? Uh, particularly in your case, uh, people who will be focusing on sales and account management, but what are the new skills that you're looking for, if, if at all? The short answer is nothing changed. At LinkedIn, our number one priority is uh, we hire for culture before anything else. We still look for the same attributes, right? At, at the core of it, although we're doing our jobs a little bit differently, the core of our jobs did not change. There was a, a couple of really inspiring hiring stories because I onboarded a lot of people remotely after we had uh, moved to working from home. One lady on my team, on her first day, she made a, a LinkedIn logo out of post-it notes, right? And it's on, her, on the wall behind her. And that, for me, that's it. That's the culture. That's the culture fit. That's what we hire for. I hire for culture, number one. Skills, any skill can be learned. As we, you and I both know, there's so much information right now. Any skill can be learned as long as I have the growth mindset, as, as long as I'm curious and I have the right attitude. Yeah, I actually remember that picture. I saw it because you yeah. commented or liked it. So I do remember that employee and I remember the post-it wall behind her and I thought it was so beautiful that she took the time to do that on what must have been a very stressful day for her. And actually, that brings me to another question I wanted to ask you. And like I said, this is a topic that is close to both of our hearts. How do you lead in a context like this? We talk a lot at Cosmic Centers about how to build resilient teams. And we discuss this often with the leaders that we advise. I'm wondering if you have any stories about how you've done that for your teams. 
Uh, so many stories. Uh, I think the bottom line of it is that as a team, we are a lot stronger right now than we were ever before post-pandemic. That's really it's because we have been there for one another. At the very onset, in the first few weeks, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know what? No one is going to be down at the same time. Nobody is going to be up at the same time. There's always somebody who's going to be up, somebody who's going to be down. And we need to be there for another. Whoever is up, you know, has the responsibility to uplift uh, everybody else. Recently, we got together with a few other leaders from LinkedIn around the world, and we worked on codifying what it means to be a strong leader during these times. And we came up with this framework called ACE, A-C-E. Mm -hmm. Authenticity, curiosity, empathy. Although I, I wanted to change empathy for compassion, we'll get into that, but it doesn't sound as cool as ACE anymore. So we kept it as empathy. But the idea here is we talk a lot about authenticity. We talk a lot about you know the importance to be who you truly are, wearing your true colors with pride and with joy and all of that. To me, it really boils down to vulnerability. How courageous am I as a leader to come across to in front of my team and, and, and be my true self and share with them right, how I'm feeling. I remember I was personally struggling with was that Sunday. Sunday was my nemesis. So, <laughs> because yeah, because you're in the weekend and then you're in the same place and suddenly it's a weekday. And for, for our global audience, you know, Sunday is the first working day of, of the week here in, in the yeah. region. So, and you're still in the same space but you're just supposed to work. And for some reason, that Sunday productivity was not working for me. <laughs> Who was it that I discussed this challenge with first? Your team. My team, absolutely. Because that makes it okay not to be okay. Because if I don't know where my team is, how on earth am I supposed to help them? And if all they see from me is this perfect image of this leader who's always happy and always, yeah, on the get-go, and let's do this, if they're not there themselves, they're not going to feel comfortable coming to me, and I'm not going to know that they need help, and therefore I'm not going to be able to assist them. So that, for me, is like authenticity. Se second is curiosity. And in some cases, we meet some of our team, like maybe for one hour a week, maybe half an hour, maybe one hour every two weeks. And that's the only interaction we have to, with one another. So we better make it count. I am there fully present, open heart, open mind, completely in the moment, 100% focused on them. I think that is something that I really upskilled with. I wasn't as good at, at listening as I, I am now. And so really to be able to have the curiosity to ask them about what's going on in their lives. Are they okay? How's the family? How's the husband? How's the wife? How's the extended family? How's the family back home? And that makes a big difference in my opinion. And finally, empathy. Marilene, let me ask you a question. What do you Go. think is the difference between compassion and empathy? Fascinating. That's a good question. I was actually thinking about that when you mentioned the two. I would say empathy is your ability to project yourself in other people's current state and context and try to understand why they behave a certain way or the other. And maybe compassion is doing that with an added ingredient of like generosity of intent, accepting that they will never do things from a bad place and that that should be your premise for where you start and that there's always something you can do to help them if they want to be helped. Exactly, exactly. Compassion, yeah. compassion is about taking action. 
Empathy is about be feeling what you're feeling, but compassion is putting that feeling, that emotion into action where mm -hmm. I can also come in and help the Dalai Lama and Buddhism in general talks a lot about compassion, but the goddess of compassion in Buddhism, goddess Tara, she's always pictured with one foot bent, ready to jump into action. Here it's all about how can you take action? How can you assist? And we've done a lot at LinkedIn in terms of really giving our employees the opportunity to avail uh, certain leaves uh, of absence, uh, paid leaves of absence, to yeah. care for family members, for elders, for children, and so on and so forth. And us as manager, as I think, it's very important for us to really be ready to take action. So not just, yeah, I'm listening to you, how are you, and what's going on at home, but what can I do in order to participate in that? I understand, Marilyn, this looks like Probably sometimes when I have these conversations with other leaders or uh, in other companies, I'm, I'm told like, yeah, this is too good to be true. You're a bit uh, of a hippie, I understand, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's so, so lovey-dovey. Uh, do you live in this world? And, and the idea here is, you know, you need balance. The happiest teams are the teams that also get challenged and that get outside of their, of their comfort zone. If you're, if you're familiar with the radical candor framework, right? It's about caring deeply, but also giving feedback. Finding the balance between caring deeply and giving feedback is the whole idea. Otherwise, you fall into that trap of ruinous empathy, if you remember the framework, where you care so much about others, but you're not helping them really. So you're ruining their careers, right? I think Fred Kaufman, who used to be at LinkedIn, said it in a beautiful way. Wisdom without compassion is ruthlessness. Mm. Compassion without wisdom is folly. I love that. Thank you for that, Ziad. I want to stay in this garden with you for much longer, but this also brings us to our last question of today, which is, can you complete the sentence and explain your answer? The future of work is? The future of work is different, and therefore it's exciting. You're a lot younger than I am, obviously, but I'm 40 year old. I've been working for a long time and these changes are very refreshing. We're going to be working in very different ways and that's truly refreshing to be, to be part of that. And for those of us leading organizations, it, it was such a blessing to be part of that learning journey and to yeah. grow really and invest in ourselves under the current circumstances. I love that final quote that Ziad shared. Wisdom without compassion is ruthless, and compassion without wisdom is folly. We're bound to face many crises in our lifetime. They will cause things to change around us at a speed we don't often understand. But I do believe that this quote and Ziad's perspective on how to tackle challenges is a place where we can find inspiration. Ziad chooses to lead his team and work with his customers from a place of vulnerability, while extending the benefit of the doubt and also looking for opportunities in the crises. My name is Marilyn Zakauer, and you are listening to Center Stage, the podcast, a show where we explore bold ideas around the future of work and learning. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, make sure to follow our company, Cosmic Centaurs, where my amazing team and I share content, frameworks, and articles to support you in leading your team in the new world of work. You can find us on CosmicCentaurs.com, that's C-O-S-M-I-C-C-E-N. 
S-T-A-U-R-S or on all social channels, including LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on at Cosmic Centers. I'll see you all on our next episode where I'm joined by Dr. Miriam Hadness, a behavioral economist by training, a podcaster by passion, and a facilitator by profession. And we talk about the art of virtual facilitation. See you then.